If you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. 1 John chapter 4. We'll be there in uh, just a moment. As you're turning there, if you think about it, every Christmas there's this toy that is all crazed that everybody wants. Back in 1983, it was the Cabbage Patch doll. Some of you are old enough to remember the infamous 1983 Cabbage Patch Smackdown in Pennsylvania, which culminated when a store manager warded off crazed parents with an aluminum baseball bat. To date, it sold over 100 million dolls. The next huge Christmas toy was Tickle Me Elmo in 1996. In Canada, a Walmart employee almost met his doom when 300 customers stampeded him at the sight of the Elmo he held. He suffered a broken rib and a concussion. Here's a few other examples. In 1998, every kid wanted a Furby, if you can believe it. In 2000, boys and girls wanted a Razor scooter. In 2005, Microsoft uh, unveiled the Xbox 360. In 2014, with with the production of Disney's Frozen... Everyone wanted to get their hands on an Anna or Elsa doll. In 2017, it was an LOL surprise doll. And last year, with the popularity and success of The Mandalorian, every kid wanted a baby Yoda, Grogu, the child. Now, when we think of all of these toys and the madness that it makes some people feel, we can get disgusted at the consumerism, at the loss of perspective that some people have. But the toy craze shows how much parents love their children and how they're willing to do almost anything to show them that love. In this Advent series, we're trying to get back to the basics and remind ourselves why we celebrate Christmas. In week one, we were reminded to worship fully. The truth is we all worship something. Christmas is first and foremost about bowing down to the Christ, our King, and giving Him our worship, attention, and focus. We then encouraged everyone to spend less. Consumerism that leads to debt is one of the great enemies of Christmas. 25% of us will go into debt over Christmas partly because we're not content with all that we have. We want to spend less so that we can give more. Last week, we looked at the doctrine of the incarnation, the truth of God coming into the flesh to be with us. God gave us his presence. We ought to give our presence to others as well. It was a challenge to give more time. Today, we want to consider why Christmas is ultimately a challenge to love all. So first, we'll look at God's love for us, and then we'll consider what we're supposed to do with God's love. To help us, we're going to look at a book of the Bible called 1 John. The Apostle John, the last living apostle, one of the early followers of Jesus, he wrote several letters to the churches in his area because they needed to be strengthened and encouraged. So 1 John chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 9. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Beginning in verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, the world we live in today is so very confused about love. We say things like, if you love me, then, but that's not love. Some of us, we believe love is a feeling. But if you live long enough, you know how fickle and how wrong your feelings can be. We also confuse lust with love. And so there's a lot of confusion about God's love for us as well. At some point in everyone's life, we will all wrestle with the question, does God really love me? Have you ever been there? I know I have. Especially when, when life gets hard and, and I'm going through something difficult or, or I mess up, I just wonder, does God still love me? So you can believe in God. You can go to church. You can have some understanding of his love, but that belief will be tested. God's love is put to the test by the trials and the problems of life. Someone close to you gets in an accident. You lose your job. Your child walks away from the faith. And those moments you'll wrestle with God and you'll wonder, where is this loving God? We wonder, if God really loved me, then he wouldn't allow that to happen. But to believe that God loves you personally, just as you are, right where you're at, can be life-transforming. That's one of the reasons the Apostle John is reminding us that the Christmas story is all about a God who in his love came himself to show us exactly what his love was all about. How do you know when someone loves you? Is it because they say they do? No. Love is most clearly seen in action and in truth. One of the reasons God sent his son was to show us what, love's look, what love looks like. The reason we know God is love is not because he says that he is, but because of what he did in history. So what did God do? John tells us that God showed his love in two ways. First, he showed us his love by sending his only son. We celebrate Christmas because the greatest gift in the world was given by God to humanity. That's why the Apostle Paul calls Jesus God's indescribable gift in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Jesus is indescribable because he's completely unique. Jesus was fully God and fully human at the same time. And God has no other son other than Jesus, so there was no other way to bring people back into a relationship with him. There was no greater gift God could give the world other than his son. It was a gift of love. But God did more than just send his son. Second, God showed his love by allowing Jesus to die for you. God's gift was sent to die for you. Now, I know for some of you that doesn't make any sense. So let me explain. The Apostle John says that Jesus was an atoning sacrifice for our sins. At its core... The Christian message is a message of love. God, in his love, sent his son, Jesus, to do what we could not do ourselves. And since the beginning of humanity, we have tried to separate ourselves from a holy God. 
in our hearts, at our very core, we really want nothing to do with God. If you're anything like me, you have habits you can't break, thoughts you don't want, emotions you don't like, fears you can't hide, regrets that you can't let go of, and you say things you wish you didn't say. And that's called sin. So how does a a holy and perfect God who cannot tolerate sin be in a relationship with the people he created and loves? In the Old Testament, God set up a sacrificial system where the high priest on behalf of God's people would kill an unblemished, perfect lamb. The killing of that lamb would would atone or, or cover the sins of all the people. Now fast forward to Christmas. God sent his son Jesus as the perfect lamb, as the final sacrifice. Jesus lived a sinless life and died on a cross both to satisfy God's wrath over sin and reconcile us to God. Unlike any other religion, Christianity is the true story of Jesus taking all of our sin and giving us all of his righteousness. And it's free. We call it grace. There's nothing you can do to earn God's free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Like any gift, you receive it, unwrap it, and say thank you. This is why Christmas is called the great news of of good joy that is for all the people. This is how God proved his love for you. But sadly, some of us have never experienced what it means to be loved by God. We think that God is out to get us to punish us. We think we've messed up so much that we're not worthy of his love. We think, how could God really love me when I'm so unlovable? That's the power of the Christmas story. It's a love story. The greatness of God's love is seen in who it is that God sent his son to die for. God loves those who are unworthy of his love and deserve his judgment. Christmas is all about God's love, not just for the world, but for you. Almighty God coming down into this crazy world as a fragile baby. God became innocent and breakable. God became someone we could hurt. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. God wants you back in a relationship with him. The great preacher Haddon Robinson once shared a story about a couple in his sermon titled The World's Best Love Story. He writes, There was once a young man from Chicago who went down to the bluegrass region of Kentucky where he met and wooed a young woman who ultimately came back to Chicago as his bride. They enjoyed three lovely years of marriage and then one day in the middle of a sickness and a seizure of pain, the young woman lost her mind. When she was at her best, she was a bit demented. At her worst, she would scream. The neighbors would complain because her screams cut the air and she was hard to live with. And so the young businessman left his home in the middle of Chicago, went out to the western suburbs, built a house, and determined that he would try to nurse his wife back to health and sanity again. One day, the family physician suggested that perhaps if he were to take his wife back to her Kentucky home, that something in those familiar surroundings would help restore her sanity. So they went back to the old homestead. Hand in hand, they walked through the old house where memories hung on every corner. 
They went down to the garden and walked down by the riverside where the first violets were in bloom. But after several days, nothing seemed to happen. So defeated and discouraged, the young man put his wife back in the car and they headed back to Chicago. When they got close to the house, he looked and discovered that his wife was asleep. It was the first deep, restful sleep she had had in many weeks. When they got to the house, he lifted her from the car, took her inside, placed her on the bed, and realized that she wanted to sleep some more. So he placed a cover over her and just sat by her side and watched her through the midnight hour. Watched her until the first rays of sunlight crept through the curtain and touched her face. The young woman awoke, and she saw her husband seated by her side. She said, I seem to have been on a long journey. Where have you been? And that man, speaking out of days and weeks and months of patient waiting and watching, said, my dear, I've been right here waiting for you this whole time. Haddon continues, and if you ask me where is God, the answer is very much the same. He is right here waiting for you to respond with love to love, waiting for you to respond with trust to promise, waiting for you to cast yourself with a reckless abandon upon the grace of God, and waiting for you to discover what it means to be loved by God. Love came down for you. So why does this matter today? 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 11 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The Apostle John tells us that since God loved us and sent his Son, we too, like God, ought to love one another. So God's love becomes the motivation to love others. Now, some of you are thinking, of course we should love others. But it's not that easy, is it? It's easy for me to say that I love everyone, but then I I gossip about people, I assume the worst in them, I refuse to help them, all pointing to the fact that I don't really love them no matter what I might say. It's only easy to love people who are lovable but it's much more difficult to love people that I don't really like. Not to mention Jesus said things like, love your enemies. Christmas isn't just a story about God's love. It's also about God giving us the power to love others deeply. We need God's help to love God and love other people. We often don't get to choose who we love and who we don't. Some of you are in a hard marriage, and it is painfully difficult to love your spouse right now. Maybe you have a son or a daughter who makes it difficult to love. Some of you are forced to work closely with someone who tests you in every way, and the idea of loving them seems ridiculous. Maybe you're dealing with a family member or a friend that just sucks the life out of you, and you do everything you can to avoid them. This is why we need to remember the power of the Christmas story. It is first a story about God's love, but it's also about our love for others. The Apostle John is saying that once we're immersed and overwhelmed by God's love, our natural response is to share that love with others. 
In fact, John says you will know the difference between a Christian and someone who's not by looking at how they love others. In fact, when Jesus was asked to boil down the message of Christianity to one statement, he said you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, John knew that you can be Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual here at church on Sundays. You can say that you love God all day long, but if that love of God does not result in the love of other people, then that's just empty religion. That's not really following Jesus. I was reminded recently of the power of loving all people by a wonderful group here in our church. In August, there was a family that was new to the area, and they were struggling to make ends meet. They were struggling transitioning to a new life and new jobs. So they reached out to us, and our benevolence team prayed with them, gave them some assistance, and invited them to come and worship with us at Bachelor Creek. This family accepted the invitation. They began worshiping with us, experiencing the love of God and the love of his church. Well, one of our Sunday morning groups heard about this family, and they decided that they wanted to step in and adopt this family to continue to provide assistance for them and and help them with Christmas gifts. And this family has so experienced God's love through the love of God's people that now they are actively inviting people in the community and friends to come worship with us here. And as I see that story play out in our church, I realize that's the Christmas story. The simple yet powerful message of Christmas. God is love. God showed his love in Jesus, and God now calls all of his followers to show the world his love. And as we experience God's love, we will love others. And it will happen over and over and over again. Bob Goff is a New York Times bestselling author of Love Does and Everybody Everybody Always. Listen to what he says. Jesus talked to his friends a lot about how we should identify ourselves. He said it wouldn't be what we said or all the good that we hope to do someday. Nope. He said we would identify ourselves simply by how we loved people. It's tempting to think there's more to it, but there's not. Love isn't something you fall into. Love is someone we become. Love isn't something we fall into. Love is someone we become. What kind of person are you becoming this Christmas? Who are you becoming? My hope and my prayer is that you will sit in the wonder of God's love for you and that God's love will move you to pour out his love on others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have shown us your love in a remarkable way that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to be born through the womb of a woman. And and that little child grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew into a man and lived a sinless life. God, you didn't just show us your love by giving us your presence, Emmanuel, You showed your love by sending Jesus to die on the cross to be our Messiah. And God, as we receive that love, I pray that we would take it and we would share it with others. 
Lord Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, you're my followers, if you love one another. God, I pray that this Christmas day, we would internalize those truths and our lives would be marked first and foremost by a love for you and a love for others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.